everybody, it's Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, and you're listening to another episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Isalike, and while I'm normally here to just talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever in the main shows, uh, this is going to be another Geneva Auto Show news update. Uh, just to kind of kick things off in regard to yesterday's show, we got some final details on what's up with that Morgan sports car. Uh, the Morgan sports car carries the same name as the outgoing one, which is called the plus four with the number four. This new one will be called the plus four F-O-U-R, and it's based on the updated chassis from the plus six S-I-X. Uh, it's an all-aluminum uh, unibody chassis. It's going to use some wood bits for some of the exterior body panels. Uh, but more or less, you know, the big thing is that it's going to be using a BMW-sourced 2-liter uh, turbocharged engine mated to either a 6-speed manual or an 8-speed automatic. Uh, apparently, this engine is the same one that's in the Supra. And that's the way that they were phrasing it on Roadshow today. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily means that just in general they're saying, hey, this is the same unit from the Supra, or if they mean that we're getting the Toyota-tuned 2-liter engine from the Supra in the Morgan. Very confusing. Nevertheless, uh, it gives you an idea what's going on. I think it's a little less than 300 horsepower total output. Uh, pretty fat torque curve. It's going to make the car a lot of fun to drive. Uh, this is a very modern Morgan with a lot of the updates that are in the interior. Uh, the exterior, it's hardly noticeable what has actually changed, um, but there are some small details. Morgan is saying less than 3% of the parts in the car total are uh, shared with the outgoing plus four. Uh, so it's going to take a very discerning eye to see the difference. And uh, at least according to one article I was reading, uh, Morgan has some plans to try to uh, bring them to the United States and make a little bit more of a case for themselves here. And I'm pretty excited about that. I, I like Morgans quite a bit. I've always been very jealous of them when I have, uh, well, seen them in video games and movies and other things. So uh, to see one in person is going to be a very cool treat, hopefully in the not too distant future. Now, getting to the main bit of news that's been announced today, there's a lot of crazy things, and we're going to go through them uh, as quickly as possible without getting too boring, so uh, bear with me. First up is the Koenigsegg Gamera, uh, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing incorrectly. Uh, more or less, this is a 2 plus 2 uh, family sedan <laughs> being built by Koenigsegg. And when I use the term family sedan, I mean something like the Porsche Panamera. Uh, it's, it's an outright sports car that just happens to seat for adults. Uh, this car is going to make 1,700 horsepower, accelerate from 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds, uh, and be able to go about 31 miles on a single charge. Uh, that does, of course, mean that it does have a gasoline engine on board, and the gasoline engine that they're unit, uh, which they're calling the TFG, a friendly giant engine, uh, makes 600 horsepower and 443 pounds of torque. Uh, this engine is a 3 cylinder engine uh, that uses a direct-to-drive transmission, uh, has an all-wheel drive system, and active torque vectoring on each axle. Uh, this car is going to be seriously fast. It's going to be a head-turner. It's going to be a performer. Uh, they're only going to build 300 of them. I imagine that they're going to cost well over a million dollars a piece. Uh, yeah, crazy engineering. Always leave it to Koenigsegg to do something wild and crazy. Uh, it seems pretty cool. And, then, you know, definitely look it up on the internet uh, to check it out. Uh, it's a wild-looking four-door sedan. 
Now, speaking of four-door sedans, we do have uh, an announcement from BMW about the i4 concept. Uh, the i4 concept is meant to be a glimpse of what the next i vehicle is going to be, joining the i3 and the i8. Uh, basically, if you've got an idea of what uh, the new 3 Series, 4 Series have been, uh, what these new concept uh, sedans and coupes have been for their next-gen 3 Series and 4, th 4 Series models, uh, you've got an idea what the i4 is. Uh, it's going to be, you know, give or take about the size of your average uh, sedan. It's going to be, you know, around the size of a Tesla Model 3. Uh, it's going to have about 375 miles of range, at least in this concept form, uh, and have about 530 horsepower. Uh, this is going to be, I believe, a four-wheel drive unit, uh, so I think it's a motor on the front and rear axle. Uh, the only thing that is maybe most polarizing about the car is the front grille. Uh, there's been a lot of people complaining about the size of BMW grills. They're getting ever larger and ever more present. Uh, apparently this is largely because the Chinese market really likes the style of these massive grills. And as BMW continues to try to find new markets for profit, uh, doing well in China is very, very important to their bottom line. And to the sacrifice of every single one of us elsewhere in the world, uh, you know, we're just going to have to suffer through these ugly front ends. All things considered, you know, it's not a radical departure from anything that we've seen done by other car makers. It's not a radical departure for anything that we've seen done by BMW in terms of the iCars. Uh, it's really just an evolution of what you should probably expect for a Tesla Model 3 competitor. Uh, I'm really... And at least in my brain, a little more curious to know what this is actually going to be like in a practical sense. And when I use that words, or use those words, I mean, you know, a single electric motor on the rear axle, uh, a relatively normal quote unquote battery size of somewhere around 72 to 100 kilowatt hours. Uh, what's this actually going to mean in terms of price and performance? Is BMW really going to take Tesla to task and try to sell these things for? give or take $50,000? Or is this going to be something that they position as a halo car in their overall lineup in the way that the i8 has been for some time? Uh, I think BMW's got to do some thinking on that front. Uh, nevertheless, you know, it's cool to see another iCar coming. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping to see a next-gen version of the i3 sometime soon, but given the updates that that car is supposed to be receiving this year, uh, I think we've still got a few years left of the current i3 uh, before that sees some kind of a replacement. Uh, sticking to more German cars, and actually this is pretty much going to be all about German cars uh, at this auto show, uh, we've got an all-new Mercedes-Benz E-Class uh, on the way. Uh, we do have a new, however, uh, slot of, well, model variants for the E-Class coming to the United States. Uh, the interesting one, I think, more than anything, is going to be the new all-terrain. Uh, I believe that's going to be the e 4 50 all-terrain is what they're calling it. Uh, it's definitely a, well, it's an interesting way to do it. It's it's a family sedan wagon uh, here in the U.S. It's got the lifted suspension. It's got the plastic fenders uh, on the sides, front and rear. Uh, more or less think uh, Audi All-Road or Volvo XC70 or whatever they're calling it now, the S60 Cross Country. I think is what the technical competitor would be. Uh, nevertheless, uh, 
you know, it's it's going to be the 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 modestly capable off-road wagon that I think a lot of us really generally prefer to crossovers and SUVs uh, with that, you know, new straight six engine. Uh, I think it's really going to make a lot of sense for a lot of people. And I think if, you know, if I was a person that had 60 or 70 grand and wanted to buy something nice that I was going to use and be able to drive for a long time, I think a Mercedes all-terrain wagon would just make a ton more sense than a GLE or a GLS. Uh, you know, I know that I'm in the minority in that uh, situation compared to the general buying public. I think a lot of car enthusiasts would probably be in the same spot I'm in. Uh, but, you know, yeah. All that we know right now is that it's coming to the U.S. Uh, with these style revisions that are going to the rest of the E-Class uh, family line. Uh, probably going to be summertime, fall before we get them here. Uh, but that's going to be... Uh, be about it. The other announcement that's relevant, at least to the American market, is that we're getting a new plug-in hybrid powertrain uh, that's going to be dubbed the E350E, which is a very dumb branding naming scheme, but hey, you know, whatever. Uh, this new uh, version of the E-Class is going to have a two-liter four-cylinder engine uh, that's going to be coupled with a 90 kilowatt hour electric motor. It's going to make a little over 300 horsepower, uh, but it's going to have just over 500 pound-feet of torque. Uh, the car is going to only be sold with rear-wheel drive for now, um, but, you know, fuel economy, overall range, all those kinds of things. They didn't really say what that is. Uh, we're just going to have to wait to find out. But I'm guessing, you know, for people who are a little more eco-conscious, uh, it's going to be a pretty smart choice compared to, say, you know, the diesel option, which I don't think we have here in the U.S. anymore. But, you know, it's it's not going to be a Tesla Model S competitor is maybe a better way to say that. But, you know, if you still want to get a Mercedes-Benz, you're going to get a Mercedes-Benz, and this might make you feel a little bit better. But that all-terrain wagon, I think that's going to be a pretty cool key vehicle in their lineup going forward. Now, we did talk a little bit about the Volkswagen ID.4 on yesterday's episode, and we've got a few more details coming out of Volkswagen, uh, at least today. Uh, they showed off more clear press images of the prototype vehicle, of which, you know, it looks like an ID.3 on stilts. Uh, if anything, you know, I go, it looks, I don't want to quite say almost too normal, but... If this makes any kind of sense, I guess maybe there's a better way to put it. Uh, it definitely looks a lot like the Mustang Mach-E. It's got a very similar body shape. It's got a very similar similar overall uh, profile. If anything, the Volkswagen might have a little bit more of a uh, flat front and rear end compared to the Mustang, which is a little more soulful and sporty. Uh, Volkswagen is intending to sell quite a few of these. They're talking about 1.5 million units in terms of sales uh, by the middle of the decade. Uh, they're really betting a lot on this thing. Um, they're also kind of giving an idea of what the battery range is going to be. Uh, they're saying up to 500 kilometers on the WLTP cycle, which is about 300 miles, 310 miles here uh, in terms of a American miles. However, uh, the WLTP claims are always pretty excessive. Uh, they are definitely a best case scenario in terms of temperature, grading, uh, speed, and so much else. Uh, more than likely, at least in many cases before, uh, you're looking at about a 30% drop off that figure for what the EPA would probably rate the car at. Uh, in that case, that would put the range in the low 200s, about 215, 220, 225. Uh, if that ends up being the case, 
Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that necessarily makes this a great deal. Now, that being said, uh, this Volkswagen is going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than a Tesla uh, Model Y, uh, but the Volkswagen is probably going to be a little bit more than a Hyundai Kona EV, uh, which does have a better electric vehicle range, but I believe the Kona EV is technically a little smaller. It's all a bunch of weird games between every little bit of information and rating and so on uh, with these electric vehicles. Um, but hey, you know, we know that it's going to be called the ID4. We know that they're going to plan on moving production to the U.S. in 2022 out of their Chattanooga, Tennessee assembly uh, place. Uh, really, you know, I think it's just one of those things where we we, we just want the damn thing. You know, I, I'm... On the one hand, I go, I like it, I want to touch it, I want to feel it, I want to drive it, I want to compare it to the Teslas I've driven, I want to compare it to the i3 that I've driven. Uh, I just want to get a feel for what an electric Volkswagen is going to be like. And, you know, getting the idea that, you know, 300 miles of WLTP range is, you know, going to be where they're, where they're heading, you know, that's, that's going to be it. Uh, it really kind of feels like a sacrifice in that regard, uh, you know, if if the actual real world real world range is only going to be a little bit more than 200 miles uh, on a single charge, what was choosing the SUV body shape for? You know, I get that they go, well, crossovers and SUVs sell best in the United States. Uh, we're going to have a hard time selling a hatchback. Uh, you know, the hatchback still does, you know, almost an extra uh, 100 kilometers more than that. Uh, yeah, that's only you know, an extra 60-ish miles, but 60 miles is 60 miles. And when you're talking about the difference between 200-ish miles or 210 to 270, you know, 270 is more. And people look at that number and they're going to compare it to Tesla. And Tesla is saying that, you know, their car is going to do 250 to 280. And more is more, even if the car is cheaper. And it just, it's very frustrating to know that because they chose the crossover body for the U.S. market, uh, we're just not going to have the performance that the European ID3 hatchback will have, and uh, I'm I'm a little upset about it to say the least. But really, more than anything, I just want to see what the final version of the car will be, and it sounds like more than likely, assuming that the New York Auto Show happens in April, uh, we'll probably know more by then. One of the other things that we're going to be getting that's going to be coming from the Volkswagen Auto Group is going to be a 2020 Audi A3. Uh, I believe this all-new A3 is based on the updated Volkswagen Golf that's going to be hitting the European market very soon. Uh, we still don't know if we're getting the new Golf in the U.S. Uh, so this A3 is going to be uh, about as close to what we can expect. Uh, the A3 is going to be sold as a hatchback, a wagon, and a sedan. Uh, primarily in the U.S., we're going to get it only as a sedan. Uh, there may eventually be a hatchback version released, but... You know, it's not always consistent with Audi. Uh, the car is going to have a 1.5 liter turbocharged engine and uh, looks like that's going to be about it, at least for the American market. Uh, prices are going to be right around $30,000 uh, equivalent in Europe. And sometimes that translates back to the U.S., other times it doesn't. Uh, I think my hot take on the new A3 is that while the car looks absolutely fantastic and i do like a3s quite a bit uh i think you'd have to be almost insane to spend thirty thousand dollars on a tarted up volkswagen golf uh 
you know, I, I, I don't recommend buying one new. A leased one might make a lot more sense. A used A3 is a great idea, but uh, to spend $30,000 on a 1.5 liter Golf sedan, uh, I guess I would almost make it a Jetta, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a smart way to go. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing this A3 for quite a while here in the U.S. market. It might not be until late summer, early fall. Um, but hey, you know, New golfs are very cool, and I guess this is going to be as close as we're going to get for quite some time. Uh, last, well, we got two more VAG stories. Uh, Audi pulled the wraps off an electric sporty version of the e-tron. I guess the e-tron's already electric, but it, it is called the e-tron S. Uh, they have basically changed the way that the electric motors are being used on this platform. Uh, the current e-tron or the base e-tron has uh, two electric motors one on the rear one on the front the rear motor is the primary drive motor and it is significantly more powerful than the one that is on the front axle uh, this new version takes the old rear axle motor moves it to the front and instead has independent motors on each of the rear wheels uh, this new setup is said to produce about 500 horsepower in uh specific conditions there's like a button you can press that like over boosts in air quotes the electric motors and produces just short of 500 horsepower uh and the cars you know it's going to be able to leap from zero to 60 in four and a half seconds uh top speed is 130 miles an hour there's a good chance it can go faster than that but as we know uh high speeds degrade uh battery performance significantly and uh, really cuts back on your mileage so they don't want to get too wild and crazy on you uh but apparently this thing is a drift machine uh they have you know baked in a lot of performance to this car overall uh there's no chance anytime soon that we're going to know what an epa uh rating is going to be in terms of you know range power performance all those kinds of things so you know we'll see i personally am indifferent on the e-tron i really like how it looks uh, both inside and outside. Uh, the seating position is kind of weird inside of an e-tron. You almost sit too far deep into it given its SUV shape. Uh, so I don't really care for that personally. Uh, but overall, you know, I think compared to say, you know, I don't even know if you can necessarily compare it to a Model X. I guess technically you would. Uh, comparing the EQC, the e-tron, and the Model X, I think the Model X seems like the better of the three. Uh, it has the advantage of having been around a while. I do like the ideas that Audi is bringing up with the e-tron in that, you know, it's got a very good uh, all-wheel drive system. Uh, it drives more like a normal car. It looks more like a normal car. Uh, but I think Audi should have done a normal car first and then built a crossover, learning, you know, what they have in this time frame. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it's pretty cool that we're now getting an idea of what high-performance EVs are going to look like. Uh, it really kind of feels like they learned some things from Porsche with the Taycan, uh, and this is going to kind of be the next step for Audi. Speaking of Porsche, we do have one last VAG announcement, and that is, of course, the new Turbo S 911. Uh, Basically, you know, if you know a Porsche 911, uh, you know what this is. Uh, the Turbo S gets a much higher output uh, turbocharged 
flat six on the back of the car. Uh, this new one has the same 3.8 liter flat six that's shared with the standard Carreras uh, with two new symmetrical turbochargers. This one's producing 640 horsepower and 590 pound-feet of torque. Uh, that is split between the four wheels with its uh, trick all-wheel drive system. Uh, this car is now faster uh, to 60 and I believe in a straight line than the previous 992 Carrera S. Uh, and... Oh, sorry. Oh my gosh, I've messed this up. It's faster than the old 911 GT2. There's too many numbers in this format. Uh, this car is going to be ridiculously quick. Uh, if anything, this new 911 Turbo S points a way for future 992 911 GT2s. Oh my god, that's hard to say uh, for where things are going to go towards the end of this model's lifespan. Uh, I, I, I guess... I don't know where the ceiling is at for 911 output and performance. Uh, the, the, we thought that the previous 911 GT2 was the peak. You couldn't go past it. There's no way to improve the chassis. There's no way to improve the engine. There's no way to improve the powertrain. And then this happens. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing is the hierarchy of 911s is still pretty shallow at the Turbo S point. You still have the GT3, you still have the GT3 RS, you still have the GT2 and the GT2 RS. Uh, there's still more above this car, and getting to these points of performance in the mid-tier, uh, especially when the standard 911 Carrera 4S, or relatively standard, I guess that's one step above the bottom, uh, is you know already performing at rates that are equal to or better than previous 911 turbos and turbo s's uh it's crazy man it's it's crazy uh and uh, you know as somebody who is a closeted 911 nut uh i i i guess i feel like i've reached peak 911 at this point uh i, I if it were me if it were my you know 150 grand 200 grand whatever kind of money you're going to be spending uh getting anything more than a carrera 4s these days just seems flat out ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't know why you'd need any more performance than that. That thing already accelerates from zero to 60 in like four seconds flat. Uh, and you know what? A standard Carrera 4, 4 or Carrera 4S, you know, you can throw a ski rack on the roof and, you know, you could fit a small child in the back. It could be used as a family car for road trips uh, initially uh, for a little while. Uh, I, I really like 911s. I think they're great. If I ever won the lottery, that would probably be the first car I would buy. But this this is this is pretty wild. I, I I don't get me wrong. I love this Porsche. This is great. I cannot wait to see this thing on a track comparing itself to uh McLaren's and Ferraris and so many other things. Uh but this is yeah, I, I maybe we've hit peak 911. Who knows? Uh, we, we said it last time, we said it the time before. So uh, we will have to wait and see what goes on. All right, last story as I'm getting ready to be done rambling. Uh, Hyundai pulled the wraps off its Prophecy Concept Sedan. Uh, we've kind of known about the Prophecy Concept Sedan for a while. I feel like the name leaked a couple of weeks ago, uh, but it was kind of unknown what exactly this would be. Uh, typically, when Hyundai has done these kinds of concept vehicles, they've been previews for directions that they want to take, uh, not just for the main company, but they'll often have elements that get used by Kia and Genesis as well. Uh, this Prophecy sedan, you know, looks 
very production ready is the word I would use to describe it. Uh, not necessarily meaning that they could make it tomorrow, like the interior is still super outlandish, but the overall shape and look of the body isn't completely out of the ordinary. Uh, by that, I mean, uh, think of something like the... Uh, Here's a good comparison, uh, if your mind knows what it looks like. The uh, PlayStation Vision S prototype that debuted at CES. Uh, this, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the Hyundai Prophecy looks similar. It's got that teardrop shape, it's got a very normal front end. Uh, perhaps the back end is a little outlandish, all things considered. But in the end, you know, you get an idea of, an, of a tangible streetcar that exists. Uh, really... I think what it boils down to is that Hyundai wants to build a uh, Model S competitor, and this Prophecy model is, by all intents and purposes, meant to be a Model S, uh, you know, type car that you would be able to walk into your uh, Hyundai dealer and pick up for not a ridiculous sum of money and drive comfortably over, you know, the years and you know ultimately be a car you could be quite happy with uh it is an ev that's really all that we know about it uh it is meant to have some autonomous driving capability uh you know yeah that's 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 really about all that we know at the moment uh i i, I genuinely think hyundai and kia they are at the forefront of ev technology almost accidentally uh you know they they, they are building batteries that are very efficient, that are very powerful, that are of a good size. They have electric motor powertrains that are uh, very reliable, very powerful. Uh, they don't seem to be skirting regulations and other things with their ranges and with the real world. They just, they do a good job with their electric cars. And seeing a car that's designed from the ground up to be an electric mid-size sedan, uh, to me, is very exciting. Uh, it's the ongoing trend of Brad can't stop talking about Hyundai Kia and how good they're doing. Uh, this is certainly pointing in the direction of them making some good choices in the not-too-distant future. But anyway, guys, that just about wraps up the Geneva Auto Show stories. Uh, there are plenty of other ones to go through. There have been some cool announcements from uh, Seat and Skoda. Uh, there have been some uh, things coming out from Mansory and Bentley and Aston Martin and other things. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing outlandish, really, to say uh, for the most part. Uh, I, I, I definitely get the feeling that... With this auto show being canceled, with the likelihood that the New York auto show could potentially be canceled in the not-too-distant future, uh, the auto show idea really seems to be threatened in a big way. And, you know, uh, someone made a point on Twitter today that maybe the coronavirus is the thing that breaks the auto show model completely. It's already been on the downtrend. Uh, we've already seen things getting bumped and moved and changed around. Uh, this, I think, you know, seeing how this digital press thing ends up working out, uh, I, I don't think this is the worst outcome. 
Uh, perhaps the only thing that's not great is that you're not able to get videos and photos of the car at the show right away. Um, but if this provides automakers an opportunity to, you know, bring in journalists from different outlets, do different small shows throughout the year, um, I don't think a ton of things are lost. Other than, you know, personally, I like going to the auto shows and seeing the things spin around on the sedans and being able to touch them and, you know, sit in them and get an idea for how the cars look and feel. Uh, that would be greatly missed. Uh, I think the other big thing is that, you know, something like the Detroit Auto Show, which is coming up in June, where they are moving the auto show from an indoor format to an outdoor, almost like fair-like experience. Uh, I think that might prove to have some legs. Uh, if you make an auto show a true event with lots of space to move around, with opportunities for brands to really control their experiences for guests in their area. Uh, ultimately, you know, you might be looking at something that is the future in a weird way, even though it seems like it has a very quaint and old-fashioned uh, sense to it. And I, I genuinely fear for the death of the auto uh, show, but in the end, you know, it might be uh, an auto fair that saves it. So we will see. Anyway, guys, uh, I've done enough rambling for today. Uh, if you want to listen to previous episodes of this show, make sure you check us out on anchor.fm, or sorry, anchor.fm slash salvage title. We do post these for free on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. So uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you like what you hear, share it. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, I spent a chunk of today searching uh, very expensive, very premium Volkswagen uh, sedans and crossovers. Or I guess technically they're SUVs. Uh, Hey, did you know that you can buy a Volkswagen Phaeton W12 with 88,000 miles that's been meticulously maintained by an 84-year-old owner for $24,500? Uh, you'd have to be crazy to spend that amount of money on that car, but I don't think you're going to find a better Volkswagen Phaeton W12 all-wheel drive sedan on sale in the United States. Uh, these things are great cars, uh, almost impossible to maintain, uh, especially in W12 format, but... Uh, Holy cow, there's also like five uh, V10 TDI Touregs for sale on Auto Trader right now. They're all less than $10,000. It's insane what these things are trading for because they're impossible to fix. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. I hope you have a great rest of your week. If something interesting or unique happens in terms of auto news, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, until next time, guys, we will see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title podcast.